to us. We've been, uh, we took a little bit of a break because we were focused on something that was really important. It's the birth of Jesus. We had an Advent season that we focused on, and so we took a little break from our foundations of the faith. But guess what? We're back. We're back in our our Foundations of the Faith series. Uh, Already in that series, we have uh, talked about who is God. We talked about Jesus, the Son. We talked about the Holy Spirit. We talked about creation, the fall, redemption being found in Jesus and Jesus alone. We talked about the process of sanctification and how that spurs us on to works of justice. We talked about some imitation faiths out there that try to mimic and imitate Jesus, but there's only one way to a beautiful, loving, holy God. Last week, we talked about the role of, uh, or excuse me, right beforehand, we talked about the role of Scripture in our lives and the importance of God's authority found in his word. Today, we're going to actually continue on in this topics, on these foundational topics. Uh, and today, we're talking about prayer. So you can turn to John chapter 17, John chapter 17, and we'll be talking about prayer. So since we're doing that, let me pray our time on in. God, would you guide the preaching of your word that it might glorify and bring you honor? There's nothing more important than your name being magnified. So help us, Lord, to do that by guiding my tongue and making the ears of your people attentive. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was a, uh, a quote um, found uh, in a magazine called Today in the Word. It says, in the early days of Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, it was in critical need of $10,000 to keep the work going. During a prayer meeting, renowned Bible teacher Harry Ironside who was a lecturer at the the school, prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, you own the cattle of a thousand hills. Please sell some of those cattle to help us meet this need. Shortly after the prayer meeting, a check for $10,000 arrived at the school, sent days earlier by a friend who had no idea of the urgent need of or of Ironside's prayer. The man simply said the money came in from the sale of some cattle. (laughs) It's crazy to see how God can show up and how God wants us to be a people who trust in, believe in, and depend on who he is. And one of the ways we demonstrate that, one of the ways we show that, one of the ways we're able to access the beauty of dependence on God is through prayer. And so we are going to look at a prayer that Jesus actually gives himself. There are a lot of mentions of prayer within the Bible, but today I wanted to focus, hone in just on Jesus because he models some amazing things in a prayer that he does that's found in John 17. So it's going to be a a little bit long, but I pray that you can hear these words as we read through this prayer of Jesus. John 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. 
And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those who you have given me. For they are yours. All mine are yours. All yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me for, through their word, uh, that they may also be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be even one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may perfectly be one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be, may be where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you that have sent me. I've made them known to your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. God's word. Amen. Amen. Jesus starts off in that first verse. When he had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. I know that we are aware that heaven isn't just this place that's above, but in those times, that was the way in which you gave honor to God. You did revere heaven by looking up. It's a, a kickoff to the prayer, and in the beginning of the entire prayer, the first thing you get to realize is not simply what Jesus says, but also his posture that's going to accompany a lot of words, his posture. I remember when I was in school, we had this, this class, and it all talked about like how you're supposed to dress for an interview, how you're supposed to speak at an interview. And one of the things that they communicated, because they knew that brothers from the hood do like this, they said, whenever you are in this interview, 
sit up straight. Allow your posture to communicate that you are attentive. If you could not use words, if you could not use any words, not a thought that you hear in your own mind or a word that your tongue could somehow begin to produce, if you could use no words, what would your body communicate as you come to speak with a holy God? What, what type of physical posture would you demonstrate as you came and said, I believe that you are in control of all things, God. You are holy. So therefore, I'm coming to you with a celebration or I'm coming to you with a request or I'm coming to you not understanding something I need to. As you are about to pray, what would your body communicate? It's not a requirement. But I'm asking you to consider it. Consider it when, when, we, when we model to our children that praying is just like watching TV. We're just chilling on the couch, but the only difference is we close our eyes. That praying is just like any other time when I'm hanging out with people, that the only difference is we close our eyes. What if we had a posture that signified even to our own physical bodies, that something is different. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't do it no more. My wife, she, she can do it. I can't do it. She will say, let's watch a movie. Cool. You know what? I feel like just sitting in a little bit more comfortable atmosphere. Let's sit on the bed and watch a movie. I can't do it. Because as soon as my body touches the bed, I see the credits. I'm sorry, there's just, there's just, that's what my body knows as a place of comfort. What does your body know as a place of worship? What does your body know as a place of, okay, I'm about to get into my zone with my God? It's not a rule, but Jesus is modeling something to us out the gate. He's looking up to heaven and about to speak. To his father. Continue with me in verse one. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom have, you have given to him. And this eternal life is that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent, I've glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Eternal life, it's not simply living forever. Because even after this body dies, everybody's going to live forever. It's the question of where are you going to live? And so eternal life is being in the presence of a loving God forever. And so we realize that that comes through Jesus only. But glory is something where, where we are bringing attention and honor to God. And Jesus says, Father, I'm going to glorify you. But the Father glorified Jesus by creating this plan of redemption. And so Jesus is constantly saying, Father, I'm trying to glorify you by doing your will. I'm walking the walk that you would have. Now is coming the time where I'm about to head towards the cross and I glorify you by being obedient. And the father is saying, yes, yeah, son, but I glorify you by choosing you to be the one that's going to be the lamb 
that's dying for all sin. And there's this crazy type of love where they are honoring and celebrating one another. And and Jesus in verse five says, and it didn't start here. If you are if you are a child in the room and your parent has has ever celebrated you stand up. If you're a child in a room, one of the kids, yeah, you know, I try to have one little aspect for the kids every time. If your parent has ever celebrated you or, or a per- parental person who loves you has ever said, okay, cool. All right, go ahead and have a seat. Good job. <laughs> you see, as a child, you might be tempted to think that that celebration started when you could receive the celebration, when you were alive, when you were kicking, when you were crying. But if you ask any mama in here, that celebration of that life started in the womb. It started the first time somebody congratulated and said, oh, congrats. Oh, congratulations. You know, and Jesus is saying, hey, this. This cross is is the biggest thing that this world will experience. But guess what? The beauty of this cross is that it's a continuation from the glory that me and the father experienced before the creation of this world. So now that type of celebration of one another. Father, let us bring that into this experience of the cross. That they would know it, that they would know what we've always had. And now they get to get to experience it. In verse five, he says, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. See this prayer that that Jesus is is praying. This prayer is a prayer of glory, a prayer that Jesus prays that brings forth glory that God would be celebrated and God is celebrating Christ. But that's not the only aspect Because the the prayer starts off with only two characters, really. Jesus praying to God. He's he's praying to God directly. And so there's an intimacy there. But now we speak a little bit more focused on what we would call manifestation. Look with me in verse 6. Started off as a, uh, a prayer that Jesus would pray would be a prayer for glory. Now there's a prayer for manifestation. Verse six, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you've given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. This brother named uh, Last, his last name is Richard. His initials are L.O. I don't know what that stands for. But um, in, in this teacher's commentary, he has, he said this, these words. He says, what is the work God has for us on earth? Is it to be great? Is it to be a, a, an amazing evangelist? Is it to be a famous teacher? Is it to be known and respected by all? Hardly. God wants a very simple thing which every believer, no matter how humble, can share in fully. God wants us to manifest his name. Manifest his name, found in verse 6. What does that mean? It means to make God known. 
to make God known. I used to be a child uh, in the hip hop era and I used to go around singing this term and never knew what it was until this week of deeper study. There was this dude called Gangstar and he had this song called I Manifest. I now know what it's like for some of y'all young folk when y'all say like, you know, like Lil Uzi Wop or Lil Fruzy Trues or whatever y'all call them, you know, like, like all my references, none of the kids get. And now I'm like, oh, that's what I was like. Um, but there was this song called I Manifest, and it was talking about how hard, like, like he made known to the world that he was the best rapper and nobody could challenge him. This, this God desires that each of us would make known the beauty of his glory, the relationship that he has with Jesus. And through prayer, Jesus is saying, Father, we want to allow that manifestation of the beauty of who you are to be clear to your people. And I've done that. And I've done that. And I've done that. I, I like that Jesus doesn't just simply have a prayer of request. Sometimes, family, we can beat ourselves up. Can you be okay with celebrating something you've done? Can, can you be okay with actually saying, yeah, Jesus, I just did that. And it's by your power and your strength, and I'm grateful. You have done some things for the Lord. You are different than the way you used to be, and it's not prideful for you to celebrate that. You know when you're getting prideful. You know that. But you also can bring some amazing things before the Lord and say, God, look what you've allowed me to do. I didn't grow up in a home where we read the Bible. And now, even if it's once a month, I'm reading the Bible with my kids and I'm grateful. I didn't grow up in a community that, that loved and showed the beauty of difference. And we was trying to grow together. And Lord, like, I don't take the credit for being here. But I take the credit for pursuing and continue to grow in you and community. And God, I'm grateful. Like there's some ways that you can celebrate. And what Jesus is doing is saying, I've made you known to this crew. I've manifested. And I, I, uh, and, and, it, and, it's, and it's really interesting that in the midst of doing that, Jesus models to us some, some crazy type of prayer rhythms. This past week we had a, uh, or this past month we've had some interesting times where we've asked you guys to, to, to help make God known. We talked to you guys about Pastor E, his situation, and uh, sometimes you have to remind yourself not simply to make God known to the community, but to make God known in yourself. Like, I got to read this word so I'm reminded of who God is. I got to pray and fast for situations to remind myself just how good you are, God. And, I, and, I'm, and, and there's times we've prayed and things haven't happened the way we hoped. But this past time, we're celebrating because we prayed and fasted. And uh, Pastor E at this time didn't, doesn't have cancer. Where's Kristen? Any update? Oh, she's outside? Okay, cool. I told you every time I say something, she had a new update. Um, my sister Elise, at least the past couple weeks, uh, has had a desire to pray more at the at Mac Development. 
So a week ago, she started saying, hey, from 9 to 9.15, all staff, I'd love for you to join me. It ain't a requirement. I can't tell you what to do, but I'd love for you to just join me in prayer so we can remind ourselves of how we need to make God known even through ourselves. And prayer is one of those tools where you can be like, Father, I know how good you are. Would you let me connect with this reality that I know, but maybe I'm not feeling? Our sister's been been leading us in that. And I, 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 I saw this dude, uh, depending on what time you might have come to the church, but this guy, uh, it, prayer and the beauty of manifesting, reminding ourselves of who God is, isn't just unique to Christians. I would leave church uh, many days, and there's a, a, a Muslim brother that flows up and down selling ice cream in the ice cream truck. And many a time, if I leave the same time, he's right on the side of our church with his ice cream truck paused. Matt laid out praying. Posture down to the ground. What, what do you think he's reminding himself of and all the people who drive by? You see, I, I'm not saying, I, this isn't a, a talk about uh, which gods you should and should be serving. You know where I'm riding. You know what I'm encouraging to, to that of Christ. What I'm saying is that we get an opportunity to make Jesus known to this world and to ourselves. And the question is, how do you use prayer as one of the main tools for that? Jesus modeled it. Let's keep following his model. And so there's a prayer that Jesus would pray that would be for glory, a prayer that would be for manifestation. Next, we're going to see a prayer for power. Look with me in verse 9. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you've given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying for those that have walked with him, that know him. These disciples that are in the world, even though soon Jesus will no longer be in the world with them. It's a prayer in the midst of of a world that hates them. It's a prayer in the midst of a world that hates them. Do you know how crazy it is that Jesus is saying the world structure is set up against me? The world structure does not like me. The world structure has challenged me and is going to kill me, take me to the point of death, and yet those that love me will be left behind. What type of power does it take for you to live godly in a world that doesn't like the godly? What type of power does it take for you to be committed to values 
committed to principles, committed to a faith that lives in a way totally counter to the way the world lives. As I've been uh, reading these weeks and leading up to, to this gospel message and reading about Dr. Martin Luther King, one of the things that I was blown away by, and my sister Edith shared this picture with me at some point. It might have been in church. I don't know. But one of the things I was blown away by was this image of Dr. King. I did not know how much of a prayer warrior Dr. King was. I've come to learn that in, in, in all of the sit-ins, all of the speeches, all of the different things that he's known for, his great oratory performances, his great champions from the, from the rooting of Scripture. What he would do before going out was pray, was pray. And Edith said that to me in passing. I was like, yeah, uh-huh. But see, this, this is verses 9 through 16 in context. You see, before he's going to go towards people who may hit him in the head with a brick, who might sick dogs on him, who might challenge the very fact that he is a man created in the image of God. Before he goes into that, he prays. And Jesus is the model that Dr. King was following after Jesus is saying, I'm going to be leaving them soon in an environment that's not going to like them. And God, would you protect them? Would you care for them? Would you empower them? Would you give them a strength that will allow them to walk through the darkest of valleys, but yet you will be with them? I was, um, I was, uh, I've, I've been in enough parties where you, you see one of these and it gets shucking, shaken up, shaken up, shake, shake. You want to open this up, dog? You want to open that? Don't do it. Um, well, you, you shake up a can of pop, and you can't see what's taking place inside. You don't know that right now there's a chemical reaction that's taking place where the carbon dioxide is like, I'm trying to let, let me up out of here. I'm trying to do something. All you see is a can. Now, one of you could come up or somebody new could walk in the room. I hand this to them. They open it. And what are they going to get? Come on. And that's kind of how prayer works. Prayer is this connecting with God that in the midst of it happening, all types of things are happening in a spiritual realm that you don't know about that you don't understand, that you can't see. And sometimes you are not the person that gets to see this spirit move with mighty energy. Sometimes it's not you that gets the benefit of all of that prayer combustion taking place. But God still releases the power of those prayers in ways that advance his causes because prayer, whether you like it or not, always is, is successful when it is chosen to align with God's will or forced 
to align with God's will. And so don't you let the lack of seeing the fruit of your prayer stop you from praying. Jesus hasn't even left them yet. And he's like, "Uh, uh-uh, I know what's ahead. Let me pray for them because they're going to need some power in order to endure the call that we have them on, Father. Before y'all get thirsty, let me put that away. We had a couple situations take place. There was a a, a drive-by shooting in our community this past week. Some craziness took place, and uh, um, some sisters, some sisters responded to that by going on a corner. One of them was our own Edith. She grabbed two other women with her. And after a drive-by shooting had taken place where, as far as I understand, we don't think anyone was harmed, but it still rocked the community, you know? Edith grabbed a couple sisters, and they went on the corner, opened their Bibles, and prayed. You see, prayer is one of those things that Jesus is looking at as a tool to impact our lives and the lives that are surrounding us. Prayer is not something hopeless that we do when we don't have anything else to do. Prayer is what we lead with. Dr. King led with. It was good enough for him. It's good enough for us. Jesus led with. If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for us. So I'm thankful for us having some modern day models Sister Edith, that would demonstrate the power of prayer. And we are trusting for there to be an eruption on that block where the spirit goes forth and there's going to be amazing healing. Amen? Amen. And so Jesus prays a prayer for glory. Jesus prays a prayer for the manifestation that we would make God known. Jesus prays a, a prayer of power. And lastly, Jesus prays a prayer of purpose. Look with me at verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth as you sent me into the world. So I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be even one as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you've loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. There's a there's a purpose right here that you would be sanctified, and that that sanctification would allow us to be one. And that oneness would be attractive. The purpose 
is that you would be sanctified, that your sanctification would allow us to be one and your oneness would be attractive. See, God is the one who does the sanctifying. He makes us new. He sets us apart for his purposes. He is the one that renews us. He cleanses us and make us, makes us a better us. We go from a dead us to an alive us, from a prideful us to a humble us. God does a sanctifying work. And you can't test sanctification merely by character, but character should be one of the fruits of sanctification. To my brothers and sisters that, you know, range in a variety of places on the political spectrum, no matter where you are, one of the reasons why Republican and Democrats are starting to unite a little bit more is because they are questioning the sanctification of our president. A man who publicly says he loves Jesus, people are saying, well, policy aside, we're examining character. And for whatever reason, this character does not seem to line up with Jesus. Has he been sanctified? Has he has he been made new? Has he been redeemed by the blood? Because if so, it should affect some aspects of his character. But that's true for us, too, right? It's supposed to affect the way we live. And so God sanctifies us and he uses that process of sanctification as a means for you to be connected into a oneness. I was uh, I, I, I was in elementary school and maybe this happened in your elementary school, but we labeled people. I know, yeah, it's not a good thing, but you did it. You, you, know, you knew who the athlete was. You knew who the brainiac was. You knew who the class clown was. You knew who the dude that used to cheat was. You knew who the person that was still your little Debbie was. Come on now. <laughs> There's some, there there was some, some, some labels that you came out with. Well, um, there was a situation that took place where uh, through each class, your performance allowed you to go to this party, and this party was for the honor roll. I don't even know if they still do honor roll, but honor roll meant that you hit a certain, you had a certain level of grades that demonstrated uh, high academic achievement. So there was honor roll, and there was merit roll. Honor roll, you got a party, some cake, some food. Merit roll, you got a button. <laughs> I had a lot of buttons. Um, <laughs> but this one time, I got the honor roll. So I come into the party, and I'm shocked. What is the class clown doing in this party? What is the thief that steals the little Debbie's doing in this party? And what I realized was that, was that first, you couldn't judge a book by its cover. But second, the only way you got into this party was by having demonstrated a certain academic excellence. You see, sanctification is, is that process where God makes each and every one of us look like him. And that is what allows us to be united into a oneness because Sanctification is an interesting term. 
It's a term that means new, that means made fresh, that means to reflect and look like Jesus. And have you ever tried to like go deep about Jesus with somebody who didn't know anything about Jesus? I mean, for real, like go deep. Coming out the frat, my boys was like, yeah, man, like, why are you not coming to the party? Well, look, at that party, like, you know, we tend to like fight. And then after we fight, we might go do so what's the problem? Why, why you don't? See, see, there's sanctification. It is tough for you as a sanctified person to be connected with a person who's unsanctified. And Jesus is saying, wait, but I want you to be one. So, so only oneness can happen among those who are all sanctified. I can't, I don't choose to make unsanctified and sanctified one. And so this process of God working in all of us was kind of like this, this celebratory party where when I was in school, after getting to the party, we all got a picture together for everybody that was on the honor roll. This, this, this group that had been kind of set aside, got achieved that one time. And yes, I'm very proud. Third grade. Let's get it. Um, but the goal, family, is for you to see that that Jesus does the work in sanctifying us. And then what he does is he makes us all one. And the beauty of that oneness of saying, no matter what drama you come from, past is broken, race, gender, whatever, I make you all whole and then I make you one. And that beauty of oneness is attractive. That beauty of oneness is what the world is drawn to. That beauty of oneness is so different from a world that is divided on every issue that the world sees it. It says, I want that. I want something that's different. I want something that's pointing towards a holy God. I want something that's pointing towards a God that's in control of all things. And so we are able to experience that unity because of a sanctifying, beautiful God. And this is Jesus' prayer for us, prayer for us, prayer for us. That we would realize that, that we were created with a purpose to be sanctified, made one, that we would witness to the world. There's a, a book that's written by uh, Dr. Lewis Baldwin. And it's called Thou Dear God. Prayers that open hearts and spirits. It's a, a look back at a ton of the different prayers that Martin Luther King shared over the, 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 the course of his life. Uh, a work that I've yet to, to read myself, but one that I look forward to reading. But as I've been able to look at snippets of it, I was blown away by this man's uh, glory for God in his prayers, by his trusting that God would be made known and a manifestation of God in his prayer life, that, that he believed in the power of God through prayer and believed that prayer had a purpose. And so today, instead of simply closing with, uh, with an encouragement, I actually want to close with a prayer. We're going to have two people from our congregation uh, prepare now and get ready to read two prayers from Dr. King that I think will encourage us and 
pray us on to be about gospel-centered things. But I want to ask you this as they get ready. Because verse... Because John chapter 17, verse 22 says this. It says, the glory you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. The question for every person in the room is, are you one? Are you a part of the one? Do you help us make up the one? If so, then you've been sanctified, set apart for God's glory, And he's united you as a part of his body. But if not, if you are not at a place yet where you are a part of something greater than yourself, where if you are not at a place yet where you see Jesus as uniting you with all men throughout the world, but also throughout time, if you are not at a place yet where you see yourself as small, but also mighty because of this great God that we serve We want to humbly ask that you accept this invitation to receive sanctification which only God offers. Don't leave here the same as a person that is trying to operate and live according to your own will. Leave here today knowing that God wants you a part of something bigger than yourself. And all you have to do is simply come up front. I'll be standing up here during our time of communion, our time of, uh, and as people are coming front getting communion, you just come over to the side and say, Pastor, I want to live for Jesus. I don't understand this big word sanctification fully, but what I do know is that I'm living for myself and I want to be a part of something greater than me. I want to be a part of the one that represents you. Amen? Amen. And so now at this time, Uh, We're going to have our sister Trini uh, lead us in a prayer, and then our brother Frank uh, will be doing the same. Amen. Forgive us for what we could have been but failed to be is one of the prayers that King recited during his radio broadcast from Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia in 1953. O thou eternal God, out of whose absolute power and infinite intelligence the whole universe has come into being. We humbly confess that we have not loved thee with our hearts, souls, and minds, and we have not loved our neighbor as Christ loved us. We have all too often lived by our selfish impulses rather than by the life of sacrificial love as revealed by Christ. We often give in order to receive. We love our friends and hate our enemies. We go the first mile, but dare not travel the second. We forgive, but dare not to forget. And so as we look within ourselves, we are confronted with the appalling fact that the history of our lives is the history of an internal revolt against thee. But thou, O God, have mercy upon us. Yes, Lord. Forgive us for what we could have been but failed to be. Give us the intelligence to know thy will. Give us the courage to do thy will. Give us the devotion to love thy will. In the name and spirit of Jesus we pray. Amen.
Help us to work with renewed vigor is a prayer that was delivered on September 6, 1953 as a part of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s broadcast from Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Most gracious and all-wise God, before whose face the generations rise and fall, thou in whom we live and move and have our being, we thank thee for all thy good and gracious gifts, for the life and for health, for food and for raiment, for the beauties of nature and human nature. We come before thee painfully aware of our inadequacies and our shortcomings. We realize that we stand surrounded with the mountains of love and we deliberately dwell in the valley of hate. We stand amid the forces of truth and deliberately lie. We are forever offered the high road, and yet we choose to travel the low road. For these sins, O God, forgive. Break the spell of that which blinds our minds. Purify our hearts that we may see thee, O God, in these turbulent days when fear and doubt are mounting high. Give us broad visions, penetrating eyes, and the power of endurance. Help us to work with renewed vigor for a warless world, for better distribution of wealth, and for a brotherhood that transcends race and color. In the name of the Spirit of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church, say? Amen. Amen.